is Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us on what has arguably been a very difficult few weeks for New England. For sure. Absolutely. And honestly, kind of the world. I was just going to say, I think it's really been hitting the fan the last couple weeks and, you know, it's it's been crazy. Yeah. As most of you know, if not from just listening to our last episode, I did have to put a little disclaimer at the beginning while I was editing. Um, that's why it was just me talking because Katie and I were not together, but we wanted to put in a little message before the episode due to the severity of events that took place on October 25th in Lewiston, Maine. As I'm sure everyone knows, it's been so widely broadcast. I'm sure even if you listeners aren't even in New England, you know about it. It was huge. Robert Card, an awful, awful man, shot and killed 18 people at a bar and at a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine, because he was an angry little man with a problem that he thought could only be solved with gun violence. He also was very mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the gun violence argument here, although still very prevalent, does become kind of skewed because of his job. He was an armed forces specialist in the, I think, Navy. His job specifically dealt with guns and training people with guns. So yes, he did own guns legally. However, he had a mental health break over the summer where he was institutionalized due to his mental health. Um, And he also was making threats and they were very credible threats. And he was clearly a danger to himself and others. Um, And his guns were not taken away, which I think still plays into the argument of should there be gun control? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with his neighbors saying, hey, just as an FYI, we're really scared of him. Like, we don't talk to him. We don't look at him. Mm -hmm. He's hoarding guns. We know him as the gun guy. Like, a copious amount of guns. Yeah. And say what you want about, oh, well, I have a gun. It's for protection. Great. You don't need an assault rifle. There's no reason to have AKs, ARs, and that's what this guy had. Yeah. And it seems like it's the same types of guns that are being used in these shootings. And it's like, where do we draw the line? Because we say on this podcast all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, it happens all the time. And I think just for Lewiston, Maine and Maine in general, Mm -hmm. it was really kind of a shock because while it happens all the time, Maine is a very small, almost like a little neighborhood state. And you don't think that something like that could happen so close to home. Right. And I actually got into an argument with some of my coworkers because they were saying, this is why you should be allowed to carry guns. The people at the bowling alley did have guns with them. There were some that had guns. And I said, well, clearly if they had guns, the guns did not stop the gunmen. Uh, so why would that make any difference? And they did not have a, they, they were like, well, I, well, uh, and I said, well, I mean, if, you know, they had guns and they do have that right to carry a gun. Um, but it did not stop the shooter. And it's hard to say in the moment if there will be time to get your gun out safely or load it. Cause hopefully you don't have it loaded or the clip in or whatever, 
in your pocket while you're bowling, like you're you're prepared for an emergency, but you're not that prepared. When that does happen, you don't actually use your gun. So I think that just kind of fuels the argument of our side that you can have your gun, but it didn't do anything. 18 people still died. Nobody shot at him. Nobody shot at him. And if everybody stays strapped and everybody starts shooting, more people who are not the shooter are going to get shot. I mean, there was an event going on for the deaf community. I can't imagine how terrifying it was for them to not be able to hear what was going on. Yeah, You can't have everybody have guns. I mean, children are going to get shot left, right, and center. You can't just be shooting in a bowling alley with kids. Same thing with the argument with, oh, let's just arm all of our teachers. We won't. Um, No, thank you. No. It's the same reason why I don't like homeschooling. Every parent isn't trained to be a teacher. You don't go... These teachers go to school. And now you have to have a master's degree to, like, be an elementary school teacher. That's great. Go to school. Go to college for at least four, five, six years. Give birth. Very hard thing to do. Doesn't mean you're a teacher, okay? Doesn't mean you can teach your child K through 12 and then expect them to do well in society. Absolutely. Same thing with arming a teacher. Unless they you put them through special forces training and boot camp or whatever, or the pol- police academy. It's just not, it's just not going to really it's make not sense. An option. It's, it's not, not, not a feasible option. It's not Absolutely safe. not. And you know, all of this is to not take away from what happened. It was extremely tragic. 18 lives were lost simply out in the community, just bowling, having a drink with their friends. It, a 14 year old boy died with his dad. In all of these stories you hear, they all were killed trying to protect each other, which is so heroic, but so many people died unnecessarily, and so many people were injured unnecessarily. Um, and of course, as most of you know, Robert Card was found dead several days later um, by his own hand. I'm not sure if he... I'm not sure if they ever released if he had been dead the whole time they were looking for him, um, like if he'd killed himself pretty soon after, but I would imagine, right... At the end of the day, obviously, this is a very terrible situation. Everybody who listens to our podcast knows our stance. Even if you just listen to the last seven minutes, you know our stance on guns. And that will never change. And we are very open about that. That is a hill, I hate to say it, we will die on. Regardless what happened in Lewiston, which is only an hour, not even from where I live, um, is very tragic. And as a transferred Mainer, I feel very heavy with this news and these tragic events that happened. Um, The whole community felt very hurt by this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of my coworkers, kids' schools were shut down. Um, The day after the shooting was my birthday and me and Elijah were going to go around Portland celebrating and do random. We were going to go to a bowling alley. We were going to go to an arcade. We were going to go to all my fair. We were going to have so much fun. And, it doesn't matter that I had to change my plans, but we had to change my plans because everything was A, shut down, and I was scared because he was still on the loose. It was really terrifying and very real, which is kind of why we started our podcast, obviously, and kind of just made it more frightening that he was on the loose, that every minute he wasn't caught, he could potentially hurt someone else. And it was very obvious that he was going to, Anyway, if he was not caught. For sure. So we just wanted to kind of give that 
disclaimer that, you know, we stand with Lewiston. Our thoughts and our prayers are, of course, with those um, victims of those killed and those injured. Um, and we just, oh, we're heartbroken for everyone involved. And um, yeah, change yesterday, like yeah, many moons ago. But this is, it's just, it's nauseating to keep having to look at the news and, oh, another shooting. Okay, yeah. great. Anything going to happen? No. no. Okay, great. Another shooting. Okay, yep, noted. Right. Anything going to happen from this? No. Okay, great. Another shooting. Oh, so repeat right. the pattern. Wash, dry, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and now it's almost the new year, and I think we're at almost like 600 shootings in America this year, which is ridiculous. So my heart is broken, especially just being so close to it. But, like, this is my state. This is, you know, my home now, and I love it here. And it's just very difficult to imagine that someone would do such a terrible thing and then to put it so close to home, you know, it's awful. It's awful stuff. So we do want to, of course, acknowledge that. Yeah. I mean, just the world lately, there's been so much shit going on, like Palestine. Mm -hmm. I mean, what Israel's been doing in Palestine for the last few decades. Right. Appalling. Just, and it really escalated October 7th Mm -hmm. with, The bombing and just, it's escalated to, I mean, it has been a genocide and ethnic cleansing, but it's Mm -hmm. really escalated. We're seeing bombings of multiple hospitals. We're seeing the use of white phosphorus, which is a huge human rights violation. Mm -hmm. A university was just bombed. 90% of the water in the Gaza Strip is not fit for human consumption, but it's the only water that they have. Mm -hmm. And their really only water supply was just running through the streets the other day because Israel targeted that. They're burning fishing boats. They're burning bakeries. They just bombed a massive university. School has been canceled because all of the students are dead. Right. 11,000 people. Just at the time of this recording, I'm sure, unfortunately, it's going to be more by the time this episode comes out right. are dead. Yeah. And that's not including the people that are missing, buried under rubble, that are dying due to medical issues. I mean, half of the population in Gaza is children. Right. I don't know who Israel thinks they're fighting. It definitely is not Hamas at this point mm-hmm. because Hamas cannot be hiding everywhere that they're bombing. It's it's disgusting i don't even know where they would hide considering there's nothing left the, everything they're they're bombing refugee camps at this point it's yeah. despicable it's awful and it's pretty appalling that our government is continuing to fund this and yeah. endorse this behavior and send them money and weapons they're also funding a couple other genocides in sudan and the congo that are not at all getting attention so mm-hmm. what you guys can do um first of all not turn away from this It can be so hard to watch. It can be so hard to learn about. I understand. Mm -hmm. But imagine how hard it is for these people to be experiencing this. Right. All that they are asking us to do is to bear witness and to not turn our backs on these atrocities. Mm -hmm. Do not fall for this bullshit Israeli propaganda that is going on. Mm -hmm. Do not fall for it. You can call your representatives, congresspeople, senators, and demand a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. And there are also massive boycotts going on that are actually rather successful at the moment starbucks do not purchase starbucks do not go to mcdonald's do not purchase mcdonald's okay and cancel your disney plus subscriptions oh their stocks are plummeting they're closing down stores it is very effective okay a lot of those three companies are offering crazy promotions 
which they never, ever, ever do. Because mm-hmm. they're so successful. Because they're, mm-hmm, right. because the boycotts are working. So if you think that these companies are offering you a really great deal out of the blue, mm-hmm. absolutely not. They're desperately trying to make up funds because the boycotts are successful. So keep going. If you're going to protest out there, be safe. Yes. There have been hundreds of thousands of people that are protesting all across the globe, which mm-hmm. has been really incredible to see. And it's also really sad that clearly our governments do not represent us as people. Right. So yeah, we just want to raise awareness about those events that are happening as well. Of Mm -hmm. course, they're not in New England, but they're just as important. It's very important to be knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. And yeah, free Palestine. Yeah, absolutely. Free Palestine. And we obviously, as most of you know, would invite conversation. Mm -hmm. We stand where we stand and that does not change. If you know us at all, even in our personal lives, you know that we don't budge, especially Katie. She's very, (laughs) that's like her whole thing and I love it. I am just a little more shy. (laughs) But that being said, if you do want to have conversations with us about these things, um, mainly what you just talked about, Katie, you are more than welcome to just remember that these are people we're talking about and being polite and open-minded is expected from you as much as you would expect it from us. Yeah. So if you do want to have a conversation, by all means. But remember that at the end of the day, thousands of children and innocent people are dying just because where they live. Right. And even just in Lewiston, if you guys are feeling some type of way about the comments, we said, you know, chat with us, but you're not going to change our minds. (laughs) But we always invite polite, open-minded conversation about really any of the topics that we talk about on this podcast. Even if you just want to tell us how you feel, like if you're from Maine and you're really upset or your experience, please let us know. We're all, we always want to hear what you guys think or feel. Of course, you know, that's very important to us as our listeners. You know, we want to know what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And, you know, basically because all you do when you listen is know how we feel and think. Right. So it's like a very one-sided conversation. Well, we're talking to each other. You get what I mean. You get what I mean. And today's case is no exception. Like, it's still pretty terrible. But before we get into it, we have just a very quick buy us a coffee, little bit of positivity before, as we always do, we go right back down to the terribleness that is the true crime world. For the past three episodes that we have put out, George S. has bought us each a coffee. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. That is very kind of you. We appreciate it. And without further ado, Today, we will be covering James Soares Jr. Okay, Katie. Sources today. What do you got for me? I have Murderpedia. Great. South Coast Today. NECN.com. PublicSafetyInfo.blogspot.com. Web Sleuths, which I always enjoy. Mm. And UPI.com. Nice. I, too, use Web Sleuths, which, honestly, I love Web Sleuths. I think I use Web Sleuths for the next, like, three episodes we're recording. It's great. I use the Associated Press. Murderpedia was a goldmine for me this week. South Coast Today. Public Safety Info. It was a blog. And Telegram.com. So, on July 15th, 2008, a woman called the Warren, Rhode Island Police Department and reported her sister missing. The woman claimed that her sister, 53-year-old Marion Soares, and her 60-year-old husband, James Soares Sr., had been missing for what she guessed about over a week. She didn't know for how long, but 
All she knew was that there had been a big family reunion that day. Her sister was really excited for it, and she didn't show up. And that was super weird. She had been super prepared for it. Yeah, she had actually printed out over a hundred copies of their family tree mm. to hang around, yeah. to give to all the family, and just kind of talk about. So for her to not show up, very bizarre. Yeah. I'm sure it was like the kind of family reunion, too, where they all had matching shirts that was like, Sora's family reunion, 2008. <laughs> and it was all like had flowers or like everyone had like a cool hat or something like it was just a very fun you know it's july it's fun it's great weather everyone's having gonna have a great time she's printed out these family trees she was talking about it for a long time sounded right up her alley great she doesn't show up neither does her husband okay not a peep from them okay that's really bizarre So when the police got the call, they recognized that this was probably pretty serious. So they went to the home of Marion and James on 14 Baltimore Avenue in Warren. They began to start what ended up to be very, I don't know, fucked up story. Let's give a little background on Marion and James. Not to just paint... A picture. I'm not trying to paint a certain picture here. This is just background information to kind of feed into the child that was created uh, and what kind of led to this, perhaps. In 1986, Marion and James had their home raided by police, and it was discovered that they had been keeping cocaine, which that is definitely a problem, but also Valium, Ativan, and weed, which is less of a problem, but still not great. Weed, who gives a shit? Valium and Ativan, how much did they have? Right, were they selling it? Were they just kind of using it for maybe a little feel-good anxiety management? Did they happen to both have a prescription, and so together they had 120 pills? Like, what's the, you know? They also were arrested because they had drug paraphernalia, which could be as simple as a bong at that point if they were arrested for weed. Totally. You know? And a 357 Magnum. Which, hey, I don't know anything about guns. That might be a really bad gun that you can't own. I have no idea. Maybe they had a perm. I don't know. I don't know. And they also had a large amount of cash, which who, because of the drugs they had, if there's also a large amount of cash in the vicinity, automatically that brings you to the conclusion maybe they're selling. Mm -hmm. So that combined can, maybe they were, but that's why the police made that arrest. Okay. I'm defending them because I think from what it sounds like, they're really nice people. Their criminal history does not define them or take away from the tragedy of this story. Agreed. But we're just laying it out. They were both arrested on drug possession charges. James ended up pleading no contest and the court gave him a three-year suspended sentence and gave him probation for five years. I could not find any record on Marion's charges. Could you? No, me either. So, as far as I could tell, she did not spend any time in prison. Um, I would be surprised, considering James didn't, if she had. James, additionally, had another federal charge in 2002. He was indicted for unlawfully possessing firearms as a convicted felon, since he had that 1986 drug possession charge. With this charge, though, the police had found 12 long rifles, three handguns, and 30,000 rounds of ammunition. So here's the thing. I'm not 
well-versed in guns. My boyfriend will probably listen to this, and he's probably already rolled his eyes at any comment I made at the 357 Magnum thing. <laughs> I don't know anything about guns. Long rifles, no idea. Could those be used for hunting? I, it sounds like it, because rifles are used for deer. I would think that they would be right? related to that. How many... And handguns, that one, listen, I know plenty of people who have handguns for just target practice. I personally don't like that, but I'm also a libtard or whatever, <laughs> and I just don't like, and guns scare me, and that's, you know. Same here. Yep. I'm making the same here sign, sign language. Sign yeah. language. <laughs> so, and again, you guys know this. We're the same person in that regard. We don't know guns. We don't want to know guns. 30,000 rounds of ammunition. Something tells me 12 long rifles and three handguns probably don't need that much ammunition. All that is to say he was a convicted felon, so he should not have been in possession of these guns. Fair. Because of this, he ended up pleading guilty to the charges and was placed on home imprisonment for one year. He was also sentenced to another five years probation. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's their criminal history. All the while, they're living otherwise normal lives, as far as I could tell. I couldn't find a whole bunch of information on them. Yeah, no. From what I heard, it seemed like their neighbors really liked them. Yeah. Their family really enjoyed them. They were just friendly, neighborly people. Yeah. You wouldn't look at them and say, oh, that's a convicted felon. We're terrified of them. No. They were fine. They just had a criminal record, but it wasn't like they were hurting anybody. They weren't violent. Absolutely. No. I would take a neighbor who has a few guns that they're not using. That I don't know about. That I don't know about. And maybe a solid stash of drugs. Maybe they're selling, maybe they're not. I don't know, but I would rather have someone around me with a criminal history for possession of things Mm -hmm. than like child abuse, murder, sexual assault, rape. Right. Fine. I'll take possession any day of the week. Because 90% of the time, you don't even know they're possessing these things. Who cares? Right. Maybe they just have a few more visitors than the average person if they're selling. But, like, chances are I'm not paying attention to how many visitors they have. I'm in my home playing Minecraft. (laughs) I don't pay attention to what they have. I'm not. I'm bored, sleeping, or I'm out. I don't care. Make your money how you make your money. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt my children, my cats. And don't. Like, don't bother me. As long as you're not violent, as long as you're not hurting anyone, who gives a shit? Right. You're still in the wrong. Yes. yes in the eyes yes, of the law. But yes. there are some crimes that I kind of maybe shrug my shoulders at right. versus crimes where I'm like, um, stay so far away from me at all times. Right. Of course. So Marion and James Sr. ended up having a son, James Jr., aptly named. Sure. And, you know loving little boy, cutie little kid. And then he started becoming a troublemaker. He did end up developing a cocaine problem. Please do not do cocaine, everyone. Please. Bad juju. But this kid, he unfortunately had gotten into cocaine and it was affecting him greatly. He got to the point in his drug addiction, which unfortunately a lot of people do when they are very wrapped up in the throes of substance use and abuse, is... They start hurting the people they love by stealing things. Yes. So he was stealing cash, 
using credit cards and stealing things around the house and selling them for drug money, which just really is not a smart choice. And when you are very wrapped up in substance use, you tend to not make smart choices. Right. He had a girlfriend, Nicole, who was living at the home with him. You know, his parents were pretty lenient. Mm. They were giving him a lot of chances, a lot of different opportunities. They loved their son. They wanted to support him. They weren't just going to kick him out on the street. They allowed him to continue to live with them. And he had his girlfriend move in as well. Um, And his girlfriend was also using cocaine, Mm -hmm. abusing cocaine, and stealing things to sell for money to spend on drugs as well. Yes. A lot of people said that Marion and James Sr. loved him to a fault, which is really upsetting because it's their son. And, you know, they allowed him into their home still, even though he had these problems and even though he was stealing from them, but they kept giving him chances. And that's really hard as a parent. Mm-hmm. Not that I, you know, we would really understand that, but we obviously empathize because that's, that's difficult. It's very difficult. At the time of this incident that we're going to be talking about, you know, when the sister called and said her sister didn't come to the reunion and all that, James Jr. was 24. And uh, as you said, he was addicted to cocaine and he had been living a life of, you know, it started out okay and then trouble. He had a sprinkling of criminal activity all over Warren and surrounding towns as he got older, kind of found himself in the drug game, acting out, wasn't the best student, wasn't the best just guy, you know. In October of 2004, James was charged with disorderly conduct. This came after the police responded to a call reporting a, quote, disturbance in which they found James Jr. holding a weapon. Once he was secured, safely de-escalated all that, in his car, the police found three tire irons and a baseball bat. Is it a crime to have these items in your car? No. But with his behavior, it was clear he had the potential, if not the intention, to cause harm. So he was arrested and he pleaded no contest to this charge. In April 2005, so like six months later, James Jr. was charged with vandalism. This was because he apparently had thrown rocks at a woman's car and damaged it. And so she, as I'm sure we all would, called the police. He also pleaded no contest to this charge as well. In the weeks leading up to this event, so this July event, Nicole and James Jr. had been stealing at an alarming rate. They were taking credit cards, not only just cash. They were stealing things and selling it. They were desperate for money. They were in the deep throes of their addiction. It was very obvious. And so... Not only was the relationship with their son souring, but Marion and James Sr. were really very upset with Nicole. And because she was not their daughter, they kicked her out. And that really pissed off James Jr. He was not happy with that because he loved her. He loved Nicole. She was so good to him or whatever. Who knows? And that, of course, upset him. That made him really bad. And I think a lot of that, plus his addiction plus his brain chemistry, plus his history, led to what happened. When police showed up to the home that night, James Jr., who we're probably going to refer to as Jr. throughout this whole episode, answered the door, and he was trying to play it off very cool. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Um, everything is fine. There's really no issue here. My mom is just hanging out with some friends. Yeah, whatever. They're like, oh, okay, well, that's a relief. You know, we were pretty concerned given the circumstances. Do you mind if we just take a look around? He's like, no, totally fine. Totally fine. Whatever. Let me uh, invite you into my home, officer. So they're poking around, and the officers are just kind of casually observing Mm. the fact that Marion's credit cards Mm. and her cell phone are still in the home. And I get it's 2008. Mm. You know, you might not really need a cell phone with you at all times. But it's kind of bizarre that you would leave your personal effects at home Mm. when you are outside of the home putzing around. Sure. You're hanging with friends. What? Going shopping? Right. Going out to dinner. Right. Hmm. Bizarre. Yeah. So they just kind of casually made note of that and made note of Junior. Mm. Just his presentation and just the fact that he was still living there and chill yeah just kind of not really adding up no what also didn't add up was junior's explanation Mm. to what happened you know first he was telling police that oh his mother dearest was fine and she was out with friends right okay well where is her hubby your papa right we don't know okay awesome great multiple 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 times police were questioning james jr And multiple, multiple, multiple times, he's changing his story. Right. It went from, Mama is out with friends. Her personal effects are inside. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Right. He then said that his parents were on a motorcycle trip. Duh. I can't believe it slipped my mind. Oh, my God. They're on a trip. I lied about it because I was scared my mom was out with her friend. Like, what? Silly me. (laughs) My dad must have picked her up on the motorcycle from right. being with friends and drove right. off. Like, what? I'm sure they'll be home soon. <sighs> After this, he said that his dad left his mom. Just left her. I'm done with you, Marianne. I'm going to go be with this woman I met on the internet. After 27 years of marriage, all of a sudden. Just suddenly. Yeah. And that his mom, out of anger and just being upset, needed a break and had to go live in Massachusetts. Just had to. Without her credit cards and cell phone. Right. She needed to get away in case he contacted her. I don't. What about your child? I don't. Okay. And you're going to leave your house to your drug addicted. Okay. And his girlfriend that you hate. Okay. During the search of the home, this is now the second or third search. This is like a real search at this point. Not just looking around. This is like a search search. And it had been a few days now since the phone call reporting Marion missing. So now it's like. Okay, your story has changed one, two, three, seventeen times, and we're looking through your house again. They found a pool of blood in a closet that DNA testing revealed belonged to Marianne. Oof. And it was quite a significant amount of blood. It wasn't just a little whoopsie I slipped and nicked my finger. Like right. it's a good amount of blood. Right. It was enough blood to be noticeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when confronted with this information. They said, you know, hey, Junior, um, you know, you're living here now. You've been living here. You're giving us all these different stories about where your mom's at. We just find it interesting that there's a pretty significant size of a pool of blood Mm. in a closet. Right. That we know belongs to Marianne. So do you have any idea of how this could have happened? Yeah. You know, is there anything you want to tell us? Anything at all, buddy. And he said, all right, you know, I've, I've been trying to cover it up for my parents and I just love them so much. 
here's the deal. This is what really happened. My dad killed my mom. Okay, he's a jackass. He killed her. He killed him. She's he killed my mom, and I am so sad, and I had to hide it from you guys. And also, he took her body and ran off, and I have no idea where they are. And now the police are like, okay, so that was maybe like a half-truth. I'm sure your mother is dead. I'm sure it was not your dad, though, because it was probably you. Also, are you high, sir? It's probably what they were thinking because he probably was. On July 25th, quite a number of days now since the initial phone call. I think it was July 9th that she called. So it's been two weeks. It's a long time. That's a scary long time. Yeah, absolutely. Junior told police that there was just a little something that he had to get off his chest. It's been weighing on him. Very minor. You know, he's been trying to cooperate with the police and he's just been... This has been weighing on him heavily, and he just needs to get it off his chest. He said, okay, okay. I know. I keep telling you. I don't know where my parents are. I do know where they are. That's when the police were like, no, you do? And he goes, yep, I do. Like, he doesn't realize that they knew the whole time because he's not slick at all. And also very intoxicated. And very probably high on cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) He said, my dad murdered my mom. That much is true. He did. She's dead. And it's just, it's so devastating. And I saw the whole thing happen. And I was just so upset and worked up that as revenge for my mother, I murdered my father. Mm. And I put them Mm. in the cesspool. Mm. And police are like, cesspool, you say? Yeah. Turns out. There was a cesspool just casually, conveniently located in their backyard. Yeah. Which is kind of yucky. Right, doesn't that smell? smell? That's what I thought. I don't know. So the next day, on July 26th, police went to the backyard with a backhoe. A big-ass backhoe. And they dug up the cesspool... And lo and behold, they found two bodies that were, of course, James Sr. and Mary Ann Soares. Right. Underneath James Sr.'s body was a grub hoe, which is a garden tool. It has a long handle and there's kind of a metal rake on one hand and a sledgehammer on the other. Mm -hmm. And of course... This was determined to be the murder weapon. Both bodies had very extensive blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. That was ruled as their cause of death, Mm. specifically to the back of their heads. Mm. Really, really brutal. Mm. Medical examiners determined that they were murdered on July 7th. Wow. 19 days Mm. before they were found and eight days before they were even reported missing. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible stuff. So naturally, on July 27th, 2008, the day after the bodies had been discovered, James Soros Jr. was arrested and charged with the murder of his two parents. Luckily, doesn't happen very often, but the police saw through his story of lies. 
His dada did not kill his mom and then he killed his dad in revenge. He just killed both of them. Mm-hmm. He just straight up killed his parents with a garden hoe. Why? Not super clear. Probably a cocaine-fueled, angry thing that he did when he was high because he thought it would make sense or he wasn't thinking at all. Mm-hmm. And now he didn't have parents and was in a whole world of trouble. Now, why do we not do cocaine, Katie? That's a good reason. It makes people so angry yes and volatile Mm -hmm. and impulsive and i understand it's a party drug you might be thinking oh it's fun to use when you're drinking etc etc with friends if you are using and abusing cocaine Mm. the effects from that Mm -hmm. on your brain are so awful yeah i mean clearly because this guy was high as fuck off cocaine Mm -hmm. and just thought it was a good idea to murder his parents with a garden tool And then drag them to the cesspool somehow in their backyard. Ugh. Terrible stuff. Absolutely awful. So like you said, Katie, James and Marion have been dead for almost 20 days. So obviously the phone call to report Marion missing was made like eight days in. So they've been dead and in that cesspool for eight days. And then the police got the phone call and they started questioning James and they were coming in and out and in and out. What was James doing in that time, you ask? Great question. He was just living his life. He had all the money in the world now. His girlfriend could come back over. They didn't have to worry about, you know, sneaking in when mom and dad were sleeping. So he just lived his life with his girlfriend. They went on a shopping spree to the tens. They were living it up. All of a sudden, the couple had thousands of dollars. And people noticed because they had a TV, a laptop, a PlayStation, a Wii, and other things that they just suddenly had. And then people around them started to notice too because they started to try and sell some of these things for more money. Because they started to run out of money already because they were spending all of the money they stole. And you can only buy so much with credit cards. So some of the charges that James Jr. and his girlfriend made with the stolen credit cards, it ranged anywhere from a dollar, which is stupid, to $402. So that would probably be like the PlayStations, the Wii, Mm -hmm. TV, you know, that kind of thing. Also, the couple used the stolen credit cards to throw a massive party, as you do, you know, cocaine party drug. It's the perfect time to do more cocaine. And, you know, they used all their gaming devices. And this is where, of course, the friends were like, whoa, where'd you get all these? Where are your parents? This is fun. And they ate calzones, had mudslides, blah, blah, blah. All while they were just mere feet away from dead bodies in a cesspool. Yeah. They, um, Nicole and Junior actually enjoyed frequent meals mm. on a table and chairs they placed directly above the cesspool. Mm-mm. And inside of the cesspool, as we know, are the decaying bodies of Junior's parents. And they're probably decomposing pretty fast, given the composure of a cesspool. How awful. And law enforcement, actually, when they found the bodies in the cesspool, they were like, oh, shit. Remember the multiple times we were here at the house and the couple was just having a casual meal atop the cesspool? Yeah. 
Yeah. How can you eat above that knowing? Knowing. That your parents are dead. And it's debated as to whether Nicole was aware. Junior was obviously (laughs) aware because he put them there. He He wasn't that high. Right. So he knows and he's enjoying a meal. Yeah. Eating. Just without vomiting immediately. Right. Where's the remorse? There isn't any. There isn't any. Not a single little drop. Attorney General Patrick Lynch stated, quote, essentially they went on a spending spree, used some of the products themselves, and then offered them for sale to different people. They were significant purchases. And then he said they weren't buying a couple of bowls for the kitchen. Right. Right. Which they probably could use, considering they probably didn't do dishes after the parents had been killed. I can already see it now. Probably disgusting in there. Mm -hmm. Nicole Pacheco, who was 20 years old at the time of the murders and from Bristol, Rhode Island, ended up pleading no contest to 64 financial crimes and received a sentence of five years in prison. And mind you, it's not like she's spending so much money 64 different times because the credit card's a dollar. It started off at a dollar. She's really buying a pack of gum or something ridiculous. Like you're that broke? Yeah. Because of the cocaine, probably. Mm. And probably other drugs, I would bet, at this point. They have all that money. What's, who's to say? They probably went further. That'd be my guess. 64 separate financial crimes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she must have known a little bit. She might not have known the whole thing. She had to have at least thought to herself, where mm. are my boyfriend's parents? Mm-hmm. We're actively using their credit cards. Yeah. In their home. In their home. Yeah. That they didn't want me in. Right. What happened? Right. I bet you she had a sneaking suspicion, but she thought it was just better to not question. Totally. And just not. I don't think she had anything to do with it. Like the murder itself. Oh, agreed. Agreed. But I think she just decided, yep, I just don't know. And that's how it's going to be. And that's it. And that tactic worked out because she did not get charged. I mean, correctly so, but she didn't get charged with the murder and she... Just used those credit cards and Mm -hmm. lived her life. Ignorance is bliss. Mm, It sure is. It sure is. So when James Jr. was arrested, he was charged with 68 counts, including murder, computer fraud, obtaining money under false pretenses, and fraudulent use of a credit card. Times a billion, probably, because he did use quite a bit. In January of 2009, James pleaded not guilty to the charges he was facing. And it was at this point when Nicole had turned herself in. And, you know, that's, you know, when she had said, oh, I didn't know about the murder. I did the shopping. Yes, I knew it was kind of well, sucky, but I don't know. And she was subsequently charged, as you just said. In April of 2010, Junior's trial actually took place. And in a turn of events, he actually pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, and the other crimes of fraudulent credit card charges. When considering sentencing, however, the judge presiding over the case had been given several weak attempts, might I add, by the defense to give some, some leniency to Junior. Just a little. While witnesses and loved ones tried, obviously, to get no leniency. I feel like this defense that I'm about to say is so widely used that it's almost not credible anymore. According to the defense, Junior claimed that Marion had sexually, physically, and emotionally abused him as a child. 
Don't worry, they had proof. They backed this claim up by saying that there were confirmed reports that Marion herself was abused as a child. And because it is not uncommon for those who suffer from abuse in childhood to grow up and then continue to abuse as a pattern, that it is possible that Marion grew up and continued to abuse her son to continue the pattern. Is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? No. Right. What about breaking the cycle? And maybe because, you know, of course she had a criminal record, you can still be a great parent and have a criminal record. It wasn't like she had a history of abuse and she had a criminal record for possession. Yeah. Very different. Okay. And maybe you're not a great parent at all times if you're using drugs and getting high when you should be focusing on your kid. But that doesn't mean that she was laying a hand on him. No. Sometimes people take their trauma and use it to better themselves and not continue the cycle Mm -hmm. and be a really great parent because sometimes people say, I'm going to be a really great parent that I never had. Mm -hmm. I'm going to break the cycle and be so great to my son because I never had that. Absolutely. And by their family and friends accounts, that's exactly what happened. She was a great mom. Yeah. Very devoted. To a fault even. Yes. Yes. She should have kicked his ass out a long time ago if you ask me, but she was being a supportive mom. Yes, absolutely. Junior's lawyer, John E. Lavoie, claimed that he certainly did not want to taint the memory of the deceased. Of course not. The defense lawyers, they never want to, you know. But sexual abuse could definitely explain why someone with no history of violence... Well, I mean, he did have a history of throwing rocks at a woman's car. It's not violent, but it's not nice. He had a baseball bat and three tire irons Mm -hmm. with arguably the intent to use them. The situation was escalating. Yes. So he said it could explain why someone with no history of violence would suddenly snap and commit a violent crime. And he also claimed that occasionally Marion and James Sr. would do drugs, and sometimes they would do them with Junior, and then that behavior really messed up James Jr. as a person. We have no way to corroborate if they did drugs with their son. It's possible, Mm -hmm. given their criminal history. However, it's also possible that they didn't. Who's to say? And even so, Junior is the one on trial here. He's the one who's doing cocaine so often that his nose is just a hole. Not actually, but probably. And he's the one on trial. There's no... You don't put the deceased on trial here. Okay? Right? Ridiculous. Yeah. Other family members in court took the stand and they essentially were like, listen, that's bullshit. Mm. That's bullshit. Yeah. They were great parents. Yeah. Yeah, They had possession charges. Yeah. They didn't have a clean criminal history. Right. But they were good parents. Genuinely. They were almost too good of parents because I feel like, again, most people would have booted their bum ass stealing kid to the curb. Mm -hmm. Like come back when you're clean and you're not going to use my credit cards and steal my lamp to sell for cocaine. Right. Like, Come back when you've been to rehab and it's successful, bucko. We'll see you then. Right. Don't come to Thanksgiving. But these parents were like, yes, we're going to invite you into our home and you can stay and we're going to keep a roof over your head because you're our child and we love you. And sure, your girlfriend can come too. We'll love her yeah. like a member of our family yeah. until it became too much for them for her. Right. But they never abandoned their son. Right. And this is all to say Marion was terrified of James Jr., 
there was a neighbor who testified at this trial against James Jr. Um, her name was Tracy Rasmussen. And she said that sometimes Marion would come over to her house and wait there until James Sr. got home because she was scared of her son. Yeah. So, yes, she loved her son. Yes, she let him live there. But it was very tense. It wasn't... I think towards the end, it was more she was terrified of him than anything and worried what he would do if she kicked him out, if she tried to speak with him, like, hey, can you stop doing this, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that ultimately is probably what killed her unfortunately, to Mm -hmm. no fault of her own. And of course, upon learning that Junior was responsible, or at least possibly responsible before uh, the official charges, his neighbors reported being shocked, but not surprised. Because they knew he had a nasty temper. They could always hear arguments being had over the fence, you know, like they knew about it. They were shocked, but really not surprised. Mm -hmm. They could kind of see it written in the, the sand there. On April 28, 2010, Junior pled guilty to the first-degree murder of James Sr. and Marion Soares, as well as disposing of their bodies and failing to report their deaths, as well as using their credit cards a copious amount of times. Yeah. In addition to receiving two life sentences for first-degree murder, Junior ended up receiving concurrent terms for failing to report the deaths and the credit card use. He will be eligible for parole in 40 years from his sentencing, which is 27 years-ish from now. Wow. Attorney General Patrick C. Lynch said that he would like to see Junior spend the rest of his life in jail, but that his crimes didn't qualify for life in prison without parole. Mm. Shockingly. Which is surprising, considering he murdered two people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus. hid their bodies in a cesspool and ate meals over them. That's very criminal. Mm-hmm. No remorse. None at all. He stated, quote, We take some solace, however, in the fact that he will be in prison for a minimum of 40 years before being eligible for parole, and I trust that whoever is serving as Attorney General 40 years from now will object to his parole. I would hope that they do, too. I imagine they would. And that is the very brutal murder of James Soares Sr. and Marion Soares by their very disgruntled son, James Soares Jr. Of course, we want to know what you think. Please send us your thoughts and your feelings on this case to our Instagram and Twitter, which is True Crime Any. All lowercase. Or you can send us an email with your thoughts and feelings regarding this case or anything else. We're always here to chat at our email address, which would be truecrimeny at gmail.com. We also have a website, truecrimene.com. You could go to our contact page and use our handy-dandy submission tool, where you can be anonymous if you so choose. You can leave your name, of course, and you can use that submission tool to send us questions, comments, concerns on this case, other cases we've covered, your thoughts on anything we've talked about over the course of this episode and really over the course of this podcast. Mm. Um, We are always, of course, open to discussion and case suggestions, of course. And we always, always, always love when you guys engage with us and send us your thoughts and ideas for cases in the future. Absolutely. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.